Hello, everybody, and welcome to Stories from the Midland. This is Tommy Allen, and I'm sitting here with Sheriff Jason Mikesell. And I wanted to do a companion piece to the podcast that we're doing about the Waldo Canyon fire, because that's not the beginning of the story. The beginning of the story starts with both the, uh, what was that fire over in Park County? So the, the fire in Park County was Springer fire. That's right. And then also in Teller County, you were dealing with some significant events also. So I wanted to talk about that uh, also to, so that you understand that wildfires aren't just a one place, one time event. There can be things that are peripheral to it, that lead up to it, um, that potentially, if uh, caught early enough, could prevent the start of something like a Waldo Canyon. So, Sheriff, thank you for joining me for this podcast today. And um, uh, let's let's talk about well, let's talk about what's happening in Tyler County. Uh, you and I were having a conversation the other day, and you were saying something like twenty eight uh, arson events happened in this county. Well, and and we did, Tommy. So we we actually started our fire season with the Springer Gulch fire. So the Springer Gulch fire was actually in Park County on the backside of Lake George, which moved towards Teller County. So what normally happens on operational cycles for fires is that I was a commander at that time, and we would set up liaison um, with the bordering counties so that if the fire continued to grow and moved into your county, you were prepared. So you had all your resources staged uh, and operations could work quickly. So the Springer Gulch fire, though, because of the area that was in, they actually set up a, a command and operation um, location right here in the county in front of Florissant Fire Station. So we were assisting with that um, based on our equipment and resources at the time. And I was working with Fred Wagner out of Park County. As the fire continued to grow, I believe it was the second day of operations, we actually had an arson fire that started. And this was a small fire. It was a certain, I heard units responding to it. And then um, as soon as units got on scene, then we had another arson start um, at another location in the county, almost opposite, which was strange. And I remember, because I was the operational commander at the time, thinking how strange it was to, oh, that's two. Well, then we had a third. So... We had fire units and officers running all over the county. And some of these fires were like little four by four, so four foot by four foot small grass fires right off the side of the road. And it was just strange on how it was occurring. But, so there was, it was obviously deliberate. Somebody was trying oh, to. It, it was so obvious. Yeah. Um, the next day we came back on, we had the same set of issues start up. And this time the fires were getting larger because it was harder to get fire personnel to them quickly because they were just everywhere. And what it would do is it would bind up all of our radio resources so bad from everybody responding to one that the other one, we couldn't, you know, it was like a ghost fire, right? We didn't know if that one was true or not. Now I had to have units or, or we had units then responding back and forth. It was just crazy what was occurring. So we barely made it through that day. And I remember the sheriff at the time, it was Mike Ginsmeyer had come to us and he says, I need somebody to come up with a plan, something. So I sat down and I came up with a plan. Uh, so that I briefed the plan, and the next thing I know, they had me running that arson. At the same time, we still had Springer Fire moving. So I was in charge of that. So we moved the operations of the fire and the um, investigation on the, or the arson starts to divide, and we had two separate command posts, right? So I would walk from one command post to check on the Springer Fire operations there, and then I'd move back into the operational center for the, for the arson starts. Well... The next day, we continued to have these arsons. So I broke the county into 
fire, we changed the districts, right? So certain areas that had choke points in the county for roadways that would intersect because we knew that someone was kind of moving through the backcountry quickly. So they had to know our forest service trail systems. We also figured out that they probably were using or listening to our radio system because they were, uh, I had a fire that started up Edlow Road in the, the bathroom area of the state properties in a trash can. Luckily, somebody walked in and found the trash can on fire before it caught the building on fire, which was set in the middle of the woods. That could have created a pretty large blaze. And then on the way to that, as units responded to that location, there was another fire that started on Edlow, and then it changed and went down different roads. So it was obvious somebody must be listening to us and knew where we were. So I had, I had them contact the um, ham radio operation clubs, believing that they probably didn't have a ham radio. They probably had our type of radio as an arson. We went through this for multiple days on these arson starts. It, it, was, it was quite a while. So then I started getting phone calls for assistance because we couldn't keep up with the amount of fires that were going on. So we, when I broke the fire districts down, we, we broke them into these areas that were choke points. And I would have a law enforcement uh, fire investigator with the law enforcement officers with a fire uh, team with brush trucks. And I staged them. One at Rainbow Valley, I staged some down on the other side of Woodland Park. I staged them in areas... Um, that we believe the fires may start for the next day. Because one of my main issues was, is we needed to get on those fires so quick because we knew that if a major fire blew up, because the fire conditions were so bad at the time, that um, if we didn't get on that fire within the first 15 minutes of that fire, we would lose it. And there was no way that we could we could recover um, if another fire went off somewhere else. In we just didn't have resources. The state didn't have the resources. They had fires going everywhere because the fire danger was so crazy. And I think we were up to maybe seven or eight arson starts, which that's a big deal in any county at any time. Even throughout the state, that's a big deal. So I started having uh, groups of federal agents showing up. I had groups of Colorado Bureau of Investigation. We had groups from the DA's office. And I broke them down and started creating an analysis of what was going on and following leads. And at one point, we were actually running about 120 leads a day. So we would receive information in, and as soon as the fire teams would go to one location with the, uh, the fire investigator, when we would do our investigation that scene, I would then have the investigative teams come following in. And that may be a joint team of um, ATF, FBI, um, DEA pe- people had sent people to us, uh, CBI, the DA's office, our investigators, um, we were taking all of them and just putting them all together and using them to go out and, and look for whatever was going on with this because it was so crazy. Throughout that week, we were up to like 15 or 16 fires at that point. So then I recruited one of our posse members who was an analyst that had done stuff for the government. And then he and I would sit at night and plot points on maps where we believed from the analysis that we saw on the tracking of these fires that we believed they were going to start occurring. And then we were putting teams in those areas. We were running as like a fast response fire team with the investigators and the, and the investigation resources. And we were able to get on these fires probably within 15 minutes of them even being seen. We were actually seeing them after they had been set, but we still weren't finding the person. So we hit about 20 fires. And I remember now we were looking at it. This was a terrorist event. This was a large scale destruction uh, that we were looking at of infrastructure, communities, 
And our fire teams were putting these fires down as fast as they were starting. But we were still, even using the ham radio operation, I think uh, created who was doing it to have, or the people that were doing it, to have concern about certain areas. Because then they started to expand their areas to certain areas we weren't, which then we were able to look at the analysis pattern and start putting people in the areas we hadn't been yet, which then all of a sudden, our fires were starting to slow down. The patterns were different. Things were changing. And then we hit... We had about 28 arson fires uh, within that short time span. Uh, And we had resources coming from all over the place. And it just stopped. And then you saw the Waldo fire kick off. And then I had to change commands from Springer had just finally ended. um, Because at one point I was running three different commands. One for Springer and assets and relocations of those assets to the arson start issue. And I had up to 60 some investigators from all these different agencies working under us at that point um, through one point lead investigator. Um, and then me running the overall arching command of everything. Then over to Waldo fire and running the liaison piece. So we sent an officer down to uh, El Paso County, giving us back information because now we were worried it was moving towards Woodle Park off of the Rampart Range Road. So we were running all three of those simultaneously and running evacuations. So I think I spent about a month and a half in operational level environment of almost 20 hours a day making sure. And But that arson fire was really the lead up to the main, I think, Waldo fire. And, it, and it's still my personal opinion that it was that was part of it. Whomever was starting our fires ended up getting pushed out of the county because of what we were doing. Um, and they went into El Paso County and they got one big start. And I think that's what they were looking for. It's um, yeah, it's scary for for a person, some crazy person, to be out there with a torch and just you know lighting fires because he likes to see the pretty pretty lights. But to have somebody do a coordinated attempt like that, where they they go through and they're analyzing your radios and they're making plans to get out and find where firefighters and, and your response teams aren't, that's that's scary on a whole new level. That somebody would would be like that, um, but. It's good to know that that well, you have the experience um, and the the ability for you to put together these teams out here that can, if something like that were to happen again, can respond quickly to that type of event. Well, hopefully that will prevent that from happening again in the future. Um, it's just a shame that that person jumped the county into the next one over uh, down in El Paso and and started it down there. Well, the political thing of yeah, I can't say that. It's my own personal opinion that that's what occurred, I think is important for people to know. I think it did put a stop to it in this county. It was just well done, right? I mean, I I couldn't imagine the amount of work that those investigators actually did, the fire teams did. I mean, these fire departments in this county are able to get on fire so quickly is the only reason we have not had major incidences uh, since the Hayman. Um, and really the Hayman started in another County. By the time it hit us, it was a wall of fire. There was nothing we could do about it. Um, and we've had, uh, the last large fire that evacuated a lot of people was, was the one we had, uh, in high Chateau or our high Chateau fire. But, you know, all of these successes are because we're able to work together so well in the County to fight these things. But for 28 arson starts, I mean, I, I'm just amazed at the work that everyone did to stop that. I mean, I, I get to be in that command chair and uh, direct, but really it's the people on the ground. That's part of that chain that if they don't do what they're doing, nothing's successful. And I will tell you 
Didn't matter what I did. Those guys were just efficient. They were capable and efficient, and they did such a great job. I know that the the lead up on our arson starts, um, I, I can't remember how many volumes of documents we have on that case alone. It was great police work. And it was actually brought forth to do a prosecution on, but the arson fires are one of the hardest fires you're ever going to prosecute. They rank right up there with sexual assault cases uh, or, or rape cases. It's just hard to prosecute because if you don't have somebody that sees it happen, it, it's your word against theirs. And I know at the time there just wasn't a belief that that, that case was really winnable, even though there was enough circumstantial to maybe do something with it. And I think the person that, that started those fires knew that everyone was close. And I think that's one of the reasons we've never had it start again. And, and honestly, we're better prepared now. We know how to deal with those things from past lessons learned. And, and that's one of the reasons we haven't had the amount of fires that, that really could be happening. Well, and the resources that were made available to you, you're able to bring to bear uh, is, is staggering. Not just from the county, but from external sources, state and federal sources that were providing you help as well once this thing really became an issue. Yeah. Well, and I think a lot of it, Tommy, is relationships, right? Even the community. You know, we had community members that were blocking subdivisions, telling people, you can't come in here unless you live here. Now, uh, and that was armed citizens. Now, was that probably what most America would look at as okay? No, but guess what? It stopped those fires from being in those subdivisions. And then we had people that were great witnesses that saw things, but we were close. We were on the heels of someone. And I think that's what that really scared them. That's, that seems to be a, a common theme in this county, the, the citizens doing their part to help out. And so I, again, would encourage everybody out there, and you'll probably hear this in my, uh, my Waldo Canyon podcast as well. Uh, a lot of the reasons that we have successes is because of people like the listeners out there doing the right thing, taking the right steps, doing mitigation keeping their eyes open and reporting when they see something that just doesn't look right, um, bringing law enforcement in when they need to be there to make sure that somebody is doing or not doing the wrong thing. So, uh, yeah, again, let me encourage everybody out there to continue to do that here in Teller County. That's part of what makes us so great. Well, Tommy, it's funny. I, I went to a fire the other day in Colorado Mountain State. That's not funny. But what was interesting to me was that you had a bunch of people, guys, young guys that were driving a truck by they saw the fire, and that, that fire started from a tree that hit a power line. Nothing can be done about that. But these guys jumped out of their truck, their work truck, and they started shoveling. They started fighting that fire, which then gave the fire department you know, time to get there. And they worked their butts off. If it hadn't been for those civic-minded community members, we'd have more fires. But I've had that happen in I don't know how many subdivisions. I've had people grab shovels and start fighting fires next to me. Um, we've had to run from the fire together. You know, it's because fires move fast sometimes. And, and I will tell you, I'm it, it never surprises me more when the next thing you know, you're being um, you have guys stand on your left, men and women on your right. And they're all citizens and they're all shoveling just as fast as you are uh, because you don't have a choice. Yeah. You yeah. know, that that's impressive to me. And although, you know, sometimes we'll tell folks, oh, you know, it's not good to do that. I tell you what, that has stopped some serious fires in this county. Um, is there a personal risk at that? Yeah. But guess what? That's, that's why we're all here is to protect our community. So I think citizens have just as much right to do that as we do. And just as much at stake. Oh, man, heck, maybe even more at stake. Uh, I, they do. Much know. more at stake. It's their house. Yeah. Yep. So 
No, and, and that's the message, Tommy, is, is the community has to band together to stop these things from happening. And I can't tell you how many times I've seen them do that. Um, I have been in the middle of a brawl with different uh, purported peaceful protesters in this county. And <laughs> I've had one residents yep, on left and right of us. And I tell you, it brings a tear to my eye every time. Well, okay, then I, I think we're, this is a good point to wrap this up. Sheriff, thank you for joining me and, and you know, talking to me about uh, all these things that happened in the lead up to the Waldo Canyon fire. Um, and uh, really with, about, with that, I guess I'm going to wrap this up again. Thank you. All right, Tommy. Thank and, you. And uh, this is Tommy Allen with uh, stories from the Midland. And, you know, if you're out there and you're wandering around and something doesn't look right, don't be afraid to call the, the law enforcement people to come in and assist you with whatever that situation might be. All right, and we'll see you next time for more stories from the Midland.